Hello, MLB fans, and welcome to another episode of Swings and Mishes. After about a week and a half off in between episodes, a lot has happened on the Miami Marlins front. I am a uh, dejected and sad producer based off of UCF losing to Duke yesterday and Jeremy Taché, but I'm joined by the man. We're going to get over that, Craig Mish, uh, who actually broke the news this morning on Dan Straley being released from the Marlins, which was a shocker kind of out of nowhere and really as we approach opening day is is the news going into the season now for the Miami Marlins Craig you had the news this morning um what do you think about Dan Straley being released by the Miami Marlins I'm shocked I am very surprised I did not see this coming at all and I don't think Dan Straley saw this coming at all I thought that you know, in in transparent discussions that I had had with him, uh, he thought that he was going to be part of this rotation and and really understood, I think, that in July there would be a good chance that he would be moved. But you take away a lot of innings from a proven veteran that really was one of the guarantees, aside from a minor injury, to throw 180 innings for this team this year if they chose right. to go that route. So... Clearly, the other pitchers on the team had better springs, but I can also tell you, Jeremy, that Dan Straley going into the spring training, because of what happened to him last year, having that little hiccup where he had to miss some time at the beginning of the season uh, because of a, a small injury, really was thinking nothing except for going into the opening weekend of the series but being healthy and wasn't worried about anything else like some other pitchers do. You know, obviously, right. you want to have a good performance and And we'll speak about that, too, because I think there were some good performances that led to players making the Marlins. But I don't think Dan was was concerned at all with his numbers and just wanted to be healthy to go into the season and then would ramp it up at that point. So that's where we stand. Straley now is is on waivers. They, They couldn't find a trade partner for him. And so I would assume some team will claim him because there are a number of teams that could use a a fourth starter or a fifth starter. And I would also look around the league and say, there's probably teams that could use a guy on opening day (laughs) to to be honest with you, some other teams too. But as it stands right now, from what I understand, uh, Straley's salary uh, is, is going to be paid with 45 days of termination pay. So I can, I can uh, confirm that now. So he'll be paid a 45 days termination pay prorated on his salary but the Marlins simply felt they had better starters in the minor leagues and also at AAA and felt like they wanted to give Dan a chance to start with another team. So understanding that's what the Marlins said. Uh, Maybe they could have done this a week or two ago, perhaps to give them a better chance to lock on because teams are getting set. But look, that's not the way the baseball of business is. You can't count on all your starters being healthy And in the Marlins' defense on this one, I don't have a ton of defense, but in the Marlins' defense on this one, Caleb Smith, they weren't sure what what Mm -hmm. he was going to be going into spring training. And for me, my opinion, without facts, is seeing the way that Caleb Smith pitched in the spring cemented the fact that they wanted to have him in the rotation. Putting Chen to the bullpen was a no-brainer. And unfortunately for Dan, it came into a numbers game. And certainly, I, I believe that he'll go on and, and pitch with somebody this season. It just, it's not going to be the Marlins, Jeremy. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. And listening to what you just talked about, I remember having a conversation probably 
a week and a half, two weeks ago with Dan after one of his starts where the actual end result of the start wasn't great. But we had a conversation where he was saying, it's like you talked about with health. He was just talking about how in spring training, as someone that's there established, you're not so focused on the result. You're focused on working different things in. So that day, he happened to be working on his off-speed pitches. So he was starting every at-bat off-speed, and I believe he gave up a home run on an off-speed pitch to start. I think this was against the Astros. I know we were in West Palm. But it's like you said, it, the results weren't there in the same way as some of these younger guys who we'll get to in just a second. But as a veteran pitcher who was just looking to be healthy going in, I think a lot of us are so surprised because we didn't think that results pl would play into any sort of decisions there. And maybe they didn't. Maybe it was based off of the results on the other side. Like you mentioned, we've now moved Wei Yin Chen to the bullpen. And it's five starters on the Marlins. Yeah. It's starts with Jose Urena, but then it goes down the list with sort of young arms. You know, we can debate on age who's young and who's not, but, but young arms in terms of experience when it goes Trevor Richards, Pablo Lopez, Sandy Alcantara, and Caleb Smith. And what are your thoughts there on what the Marlins have decided to do here with their rotation and then obviously the bullpen as well? You know, you know what my thoughts are? My thoughts are if they could have paired four of these guys with Jose Fernandez oh. with that team that they had with all of those hitters and when they were two pitches away, we would be having a different conversation going Completely into a season. Different. It's crazy the way that baseball works, man. Like that, that's my first thought is wow. if you paired Jose with Caleb Smith and Trevor Richards and Pablo Lopez, and by the way, I don't think enough people are talking about Sandy Alcantara. They're just mm -hmm. like sleeping on him all of a sudden. I don't know why. Sandy's very good, and he's going to have a good season. But you pair all of those guys together, and then with the hitting, we'll never know. And that's a story mm -hmm. and a chapter for another day that I suppose that we'll discuss. But, yeah, going into the season, they're very strong with those starting pitchers without question. They have gone through 13 pitchers, I believe, was the number last year, and they're right. going to be looking to do less of that, which is why I thought Straley would make the rotation because you're going with some certainty. But there's no question that some of these pitchers are going to have innings limits. Now, in terms of Arania, he can throw 200 with no issue. In terms of Richards, provided he's healthy, I think he could get to 200 with no issue, but their three, four, and five are all going to have some sort of innings limit, I would guess. And that's where some of the other starters will play in. But look, they do like Zach Gallen. He pitched on Sunday and did a right. good job. We'll see if he's ready. Nick Nider, we'll see if he's ready. And those, I think, are the next two starters to come up from the minor leagues if things ended up playing in a way that the Marlins wouldn't expect. So the strong point of this team, without a doubt, is the starting pitching. I love Caleb Smith going into the season. I think he's going to have a very big year. Uh, Trevor Richards, Pablo Lopez could have a very big year as well. And there's no doubt that the pitching is the strongest, maybe that it's been in the Marlins rotation for a very long time. Right. I mean, this rotation is full of arms with a lot of potential. And it's like you mentioned after that, you got Gallon and AAA and a couple other guys there, but really all through the organization, you know, Sixto Sanchez, who they just traded for and Jorge Guzman, who's another arm. And then the entire uh, single A rotation is going to be a crazy single A rotation. That's where the depth has been built in this organization. Moving yeah. M moving from the pitching side over to uh, where they're going to need to get their run support. And there were a couple of decisions made over the last week where it, we sort of took off from doing the pod that that were definitely of note. Um, the biggest being what the Marlins are going to do in the outfield where now Austin Dean was sent down, but, but of, of note, even more Peter O'Brien, who we had talked about. Um, and if you listen to our last episode, you know, you had been, not not critical of O'Brien, but interested in the competition 
that was happening in right field between him. And I was cr- I was critical. You can say that. All right. So a little critical. <laughs> I don't mind that at all. I don't I don't mind that at all. But, yeah. Let, let me yeah. let me add let me add on to that and and things that are said on this podcast for people who are listening, whether you're a Marlins fan or you're anyone else. Uh, the one thing on this podcast that I'm going to do is I'm always going to keep it real with this. There's no uh, brush being painted. Uh, you know, when guys are cut and guys are making the team, I will be as, as honest and transparent with it as possible. Uh, does it bother me when players are cut that I even have personal relationships with? There's no question about that. And I'm not going to ever try and hide behind that. But I also tend to think that I see this from an objective point of view. And the other thing that I want to say, and I want to make this very clear for people who comment on Twitter, I know sometimes you guys are educated and sometimes you are not, and that's perfectly fine. But the important thing to note is that when we're having a debate on a player, whether it's on this podcast or it's on Twitter or anything else, the only rule that I have in terms of this is not making it personal uh, in an attack about a player, but it is such a ridiculous notion to think that we shouldn't be debating the merits of players. I mean, it is a great thing for us to be able to do that and not worry about all the nonsense that went on with this franchise over the past 20 years. I think it's healthy to have a conversation about a player and its merit as to what he can do and what he can't do. And the one thing that you should know about me is that the Marlins play 81 home games. Am I at every home game with my face in front of these players after being critical? No, I am not there for 81 home games. But you can be rest assured that I don't hide behind it I am in that clubhouse. If I say something about a player and they want to come talk to me about it, whether it's positive or negative, I'm there a lot, a lot more than any other probably person outside of the people who cover the team every day, the beat writers. And so I am very open to having constructive conversation about what I think about the performance of a player. And it comes from a place of interest. And it is it is something that needs to happen more with the Miami Marlins, not just focused on all the nonsense that's happened in the past. Why not talk about who the better catcher is with Holiday and Wallach? Why not ca- talk about the right field competition or the starting rotation? It, yeah. it should be encouraged, and it creates good, uh, healthy debate about baseball, which is what has been lacking in this, in this town forever. So right. I'm all about that. Just wanted to get that out there. Thank yeah, abso- absolutely. Well, no, and, and I agree with you on that because the big conversation around this team, unfortunately, in the offseason where there's been all of these different levels of competition on the field, unfortunately, there's been so many talking points about stuff that, to me, doesn't seem to be worthy of a conversation because of, you know, sound bites taken here or there. And so, to yeah, me... Yeah, well, we bring, we bring... Listen, whatever right. is said is news and whatever Derek Jeter says is going to be news one way or the other, whether it's positive or negative or whatever. But I tend to more focus on what I know and what I've known covering the game, which is the on-field performance. And if, if other things happen, look, I'm, I, I'll report if Billy the Martin, uh, Marlin <laughs> changes the way he looks or there's I'm a new Billy guy Martin. in the suit. I'm, I'm just as guilty as doing those sort of things. But, uh, you know, the, the focus for me is, is trying to decipher who will be on a team yes. and reporting those things and, and trying to parse through some of the information from a positive or negative point of view. It just has to be done. And if you're not going to be critical – or you're, or you, you can't, you have to try and cover it from both sides. You can't be overly critical and you can't overly be a homer. You got to right. try and be down the middle as much as you possibly can. And I try to do that as much as I can. Sometimes I'll be right. Sometimes I will be wrong. 
And it's like all the people who were saying to me uh, yesterday, hey, Craig, great job saying Gary Cooper was going to be, you were right, you were right. It's like, where are all those people that I said Braxton Lee was going to be good last year? Too? And, uh, <laughs> that, didn't, that didn't work out for me. But that's who I am. I'm, I'm right. fun with this. I'm transparent with right. this. When I'm wrong, I'll say that I'm wrong. When I'm right, I'll say that I'm right. And as long as we're getting it right more on this podcast than we are wrong, then I think that we're doing okay. So where were we? That said, Mr. Wright, uh, Garrett Cooper did make the team. He made the team. Congratulations. So, he should make the team. And, right. he, and, and, and by the way, when you're in a competition with another player at the end of the season and one guy's batting 400 and one guy's striking out 50% of the time, you give the, the job to the guy who's crushed the spring. And that's what they did. They did a good job there. This exactly. reminds me, and listen, there's, there's other stories like this in baseball. You go all around the league. Uh, you know, in terms of how he made it or why he made it, I don't have the exact reasons behind that. A couple of weeks ago, I was told they still were high on O'Brien, and I was like, "Why?" And like, "Okay, fine, great." <laughs> but but the but look with with Garrett Cooper, I mean, he hit 400. Like it right. counts. It it that's that has to go into the thought process. And every year when a guy hits 600 or 700, does it matter? No. When he hits 180, no. But when you're in a competition with somebody else, you got to look at something. And right. so that has to be part of the equation. The biggest example of this, and it comes uh, back to my memory from a few years ago, not just with reality, but for fantasy baseball, the best player in all of spring training, I think it was three years ago, was hitting all these home runs. His name was Trevor Story. Trevor Story oh, Trevor wasn't Story. the guy that was going to supposed to be very – he was supposed to be okay. No one really knew for sure. And that dude took the spring and went right up. into the regular season and hit a home run every single day in the regular season too. Now yep. that's an example of a player – Maybe there's 10 more that don't do that, but you can't just completely discount what a guy does in spring training. It's just silly to do. And look, what is Cooper going to be? Is he going to hit 30 home runs this season? No. Is he going to hit 25? Probably not. But he makes contact. He hits the ball to every side of the field. Right. When the ball comes off his bat, it sounds good. He, uh, I thought he deserved it. And I think they did the right thing. Is his leash super long, Jeremy? If he goes one for 40, is he going to still no. be in the big league? Probably not. But I think that the important part here is that when you tell these players before spring training starts that the best 25 men are going to be on the team, at some point you got to own that statement. And if right. they feel that way, you, you can't start throwing guys on this team because of money or other issues and make that statement before the spring. So I thought a well-done job here by the Marlins and, and naming Cooper to the starting right field job. And then we'll see how this plays out. I have no idea if he's going to be a star right. or not, but I want to just be clear on that, that I do feel like a lot of that went into the process. Yeah, there's a lot of potential there. And, and I don't know if it transfers over to the regular season, but his approach as a, a guy that's a power hitter, his approach on the breaking ball and the way he's been able to take that and hit it the other way or just drive line drives up the middle for someone who's supposed to be a power hitter was impressive to me during the spring. Again, you don't know if it carries over. Like no, you we mentioned. don't know. We have no but, idea. But and I'm not, and I'm not promising that either. I'm right, not, but I'm if not, it is a competition, you like to see the guy that won the competition win Absolutely. The competition. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and look, they're, they're obviously – this was a serious deal here because he was in the lineup the right. day he was sent down. Oh. So something happened there. And that's my job, I guess now is to try and dig that out <laughs> specifically here and, and try and find that out. I don't know the answer to how or why, but obviously somebody very important, Jeremy in the Miami Marlins organization wanted to give Garrett Cooper that job and whoever right. that person was one. And who was it? I don't know. Yeah. We got to find out. We got to try and find out. Yeah. And so now opening day, it looks like it'll be so. So Chad Wallach also now is the he the made backup the backup catcher going yeah. forward over yeah. Brian Holiday. 
right. uh, which it, there's an interesting conversation to be had there, um, in large part seemingly because Wallach was already on the 40-man roster. It feels uh, like that was probably the reason, yeah. Yeah, and so... Yeah, yeah I think there's... This is a tough one, too, because I think some, you know, Wells Dusenberry made some really good points of the Sun Sentinel to me about the stats and, and how, and, and he posted it on Twitter, too, and, mm-hmm. and, and, and how Wallach was more or less the same guy as Holiday. And, you know, people, I'm, maybe, maybe it's I, the fact that I like Holiday as a person is, is factoring into this thing. And then what, what does that mean that I don't like Chad Wallach? I mean, come on, that's ridiculous. <laughs> um, Brian Holiday came up in some really big batting moments last year and came through uh, you know he is a veteran there yeah and and I just felt and and there are some other things that went into play with me for him there like I I suppose if there was just like a straight competition going into the spring then fine but like he signed a minor league deal with the thought that he probably just has to beat out Wallach to make the team and then secondly, they had both catchers go down with injuries at the same time, and Holiday had to catch a lot this spring. Yep. And, and, and that didn't get him anything. So a numbers game, the, the feeling I get with this and talking to people is that it was, like, really close. There wasn't really much they could do in terms of the 40-man and they just basically chose with the guy, the guy who was already on there. And they also feel like if Wallach was designated, and they wouldn't do that, but if Wallach was designated, that he would be claimed by somebody else. I don't mm. think so. I don't think that that is the case. I think mm. that he would pass through waivers and they would be fine. But they also didn't think that Miranda Gonzalez would get claimed, yeah. and, he, and he did. Yeah. So they didn't want to take the chance there. They loved the way that Wallach plays defense. But there's no doubt that this is one of those players that when he plays, and who knows what Alfaro will be, we'll hope he's right. good, but you don't know. I hope I mean, he's healthy. I mean, you have no idea. But provided that Alfaro is catching most of the time and Wallach is the backup, the interesting part of this now for me will be I will be watching to see Chad Wallach hit yeah. because I know what I saw last year, and we will hope that he will be making some improvements. I'm hearing that he has, and I will be watching that this year, yeah. and, we'll, and we'll see. So. Uh, I wish uh, Brian Holiday, by the way, all the best wherever he ends up. Absolutely. And it, it's it, it's so interesting to be having this conversation about a backup catcher. I but, know, but, but it's healthy yeah. conversation. Why not? Just, right. I mean, what do we yeah. we want to just focus on everything Derek Jeter says on this podcast for the yeah. next six months? I'm not going to do that. Right. So well, maybe I, this is more for hardcore listeners of baseball and Marlins fans. And And look, if you're listening to this podcast right now and you'd like to hear me or Jeremy talk about something specific, you send us a message on Twitter. Yeah, let us know what specifically moves the needle for you guys. Maybe backup catcher spending uh, five <laughs> minutes and 28 seconds doesn't move the needle for you. I don't know. I'm just trying to, to give you the best insight I possibly can on the team, and that's, that's part of what I do. Well, and, and the, the reason to me that this, this conversation with the backup catcher is so interesting is specifically because Alfaro has been hurt, and obviously, I don't know if you know this, Craig, but they used to have JT Uemuto as their everyday they catcher. Did. They did. So with him gone, the catcher position is focused on that much more all the way through in terms of depth. If, so, if, if in the end, it probably won't make a huge difference with the club. Not. I understand that. But they are running out of people in the fantasy football league at this point. <laughs> we are really down to to JT Riddle, I think. Like, I don't even know that. It, I mean, they're not even going to be able to feel not even a league anymore. This is get. I mean, come on. Like, well, that's the that's the important thing here. I think it really is. I mean, they got to get guys started. in the league. I mean, Guerra is gone, and Bearclaw is gone, and JT is gone. Straley, Holiday. Uh, I mean, maybe Mike Hill actually has a shot this year. 
<laughs> play against novices. Yeah, just bring up all of the – maybe that's why – maybe Garrett Cooper, maybe he's got a, a, a Garrett inkling Cooper that Garrett be formidable. not good. Maybe he's not good at fantasy football. He'll knew it. That's why he's on the roster. Very, very sad. Right to all of our fantasy football league mates are yeah. gone. Very sad. Uh, but, yeah, so now this is what the roster is going to look like with, with Cooper out and right. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see the way everything works out with Herrera out in, in the outfield as well. How does Lewis Brinson perform? But here we are just a few days away from opening day. And uh, any final thoughts on this roster or anything with the Marlins before we wrap this episode up, Craig? Yeah, it, it looks like at this point that the Marlins strength will be pitching. And we'll do another one of these episodes either on opening day or before it. But, and we'll also have an announcement here on, on the podcast on Swings and Mishers about how we're going to be covering the Marlins all season long and our guests that we're going to have weekly or monthly all season long. And I, and I want you guys to stay tuned to that because I think there's a big announcement coming with that as well. But I, I really don't have huge arguments with what they did. I'm intrigued with a few players this season for sure. Like I believe Caleb Smith's going to be great. So I'm not even right. intrigued. I just think he's going to go out and have a great year. Uh, my, my most probably intriguing players to start the season and see what they're going to do is I'm very intrigued to see what Harold Ramirez is whenever he's in the big right. leagues, if it's now or, or in a month from now. I'm just not sure how it's going to play out. So I, I'm curious about him. I'm curious about Gabby Guerrero. Those are the two players that I believe the Marlins are high on, and we're going to probably see more of them than anyone anticipates this season. So I'm very uh, you know, certainly curious about that. I'm also curious to see how long of a leash Lewis Brinson has this season. Right. And whether or not they're going to allow I – mean, maybe he'll have a great year and there's nothing to talk about. But what happens if not and how they will approach that this season? I can't see them just allowing him to go into these deep extended slumps without getting him some help in the minor leagues. Yeah. So uh, curious about him. And, and from a pitching perspective, Pablo Lopez is the one that I'm most curious about. I, 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 what I saw in the spring was like – one of the, been unhittable. the best pitchers in baseball. Like he yeah. was, it was just, and facing the Cardinals too, a couple times. So boy, is there another gear there for him? I, I'm just not sure. I don't want to just buy into everything that I see in the spring, but it looks like he could be a, a great pitcher in their rotation to go with, with uh, Trevor Richards as well. So from a positive perspective, those are the, po uh, you know, that I'd like to see happen. I want to see if Brinson can do it and stay up. I want to see Ramirez. I want to see Guerrero. I want to see Pablo uh, Lopez and that. And the bullpen to me, it shake itself out. Romo gets some saves. Or, right. <laughs> that, that's kind of the way I see it. And then the, the one thing to me that I'm hoping to see, and I don't know this to be the case, but I've seen enough games now in the spring to, I think, make some much of a somewhat of a determination, is that arguably in the years that I've covered the Marlins and from players that I've talked to that have played with Martin Prado, there probably isn't a better guy to have in the clubhouse, a better leader, someone where they've done away with the C on the jerseys, but Martin Prado, make no mistake about it, yep. is the captain. Uh, as, as great of a human as a player that has come through this franchise, he's been fantastic. But Jeremy, it, is a, it has been a struggle for me to be able to watch him play first base. Mm. And I, hopefully he can play third base, and I just don't know. I like him very much, but it, they, the Marlins may be faced with a tough decision at some point 
because I just don't know what he has. I don't know what he has left at this point. And they have young kids that they're going to have to take a look at. So I'm hoping for him. I, I just hate to see a player toward the end of his career decline. And, and I, I don't know if this will be his last year, if he'll continue to play or if he'll coach or be somewhere else. But, but from a personal perspective, I am rooting for Prado to be a viable player on the 25-man roster because I did not see that in the spring. So I'm really yeah. hopeful for him because I do like him very much. The players love this man. And, and you just – no one ever wants to see a guy at the end of his career just completely fall apart. But there's been so many injuries, and right. I don't know how they're going to use him or what they're going to do. But I just want to make that clear. It's, it's not a matter of me being critical of the player. It's just what I'm seeing on the field and hoping – that it's better than what I've seen. Absolutely. And you can only hope I actually had a conversation with him at the beginning of the spring about coming back and trying to be healthy. And, and he said he was approaching this season from a very different perspective in terms of the last few years, he was so frustrated by all of it. And now he's like, every time I get out on the field, I'm just playing it as if it's my last game. Cause with what my health has been, who knows? It is. So it I is. appreciate that perspective from him. But like you mentioned to have men like him, and Curtis Granderson as well. These guys are some really great veterans to have around such a young team. Um, I felt that way about Dan Straley, to be honest, as well. I know he's not hasn't been around as long as, as Granderson and, and Prado, but it seems like a really good group, a very united group you can see from all the ping pong they've been playing. Without a doubt. All of Without that. So yeah. as they go through their ebbs and flows of this season, it'll be fascinating to see the way that, that they handle individual success and failure and also team success and failure. Yeah, I mean, Chen and Prado are, are two players that I think it would be obvious to most fans that had they not have the – major league salary that they do they would not be on the marlins this season i mean that's right. just that is just a fact and so with chen in the bullpen that does make some sense and why not try and reinvent chen maybe he is good out of the bullpen i'm not yeah, saying that he can't be. i don't know he could face left-handed hitters and you know you're facing three lefties back to back to back in an inning you bring them in and and, and you maybe use them at home if you think that's going to work again I, i'm I'm on board with that and by the way i'm on board with carrying prado going into the season too yeah, it's not absolutely. that i'm not but at some point, you got to be sure that he's, he's going to play, be able to play well, and he's not going to take at-bats away from Garrett Cooper, who could play a little first base for right. sure, and, and from uh, uh, Riddle or, or Rojas or wherever they decide to use him. So, you know, it's, just, it's, it's a really tough conversation to have because of the amount of respect that I have for this player. And, and I just, I really hope that if, if this is his last season with the Marlins, I, I hope that he has a good season for himself and he goes out on the terms that he wants to, too. I, I hope so. I really do. I couldn't agree with you more. And we will have more conversation about Martin Prado and the rest of the Marlins as we go forward. We will have another podcast with you before opening day, either that morning or the day before. So we will have more coming to you, plus some big announcements later this week here on Swings and Mishes. Thank you guys for listening.